It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Yes, it's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show today. If you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so it's Farmer Friday, and... Like I say, we'll take phone calls throughout the show today. We're going to get to your emails here just shortly in the Ag PhD mailbag. Uh, before we do that, though, just a couple of quick things. Number one, you may have already started harvest on your farm, depending on your crops. You may be looking at an early harvest, like many of us are in the Midwest, because of the drought and heat. Everything is way ahead of normal. So, I mean, a lot of people are already talking about, oh, silage cutting is going to be happening any day, and corn is going to be harvested in our region in September, which almost never happens. So uh, the time is coming soon. Here's where I'm going with all this. Please be safe during harvest. There are a lot of accidents that happen, in part because for many of us, it's hard. We're in a hurry, and we take some... Let's just put it this way. We cut some corners here and there, right? And all of a sudden, safety goes out the window. Well, it only takes a few seconds for something to go terribly wrong. So I'm just going to encourage you today. Please, please make it a point on your farm. Safety always needs to come number one. And another big thing that our dad always talked to us about is get plenty of sleep. I I know you want to push it. I do too, believe me. But If you don't get sleep, here's what ends up happening. You get tired. That's usually when corners get cut. You're not totally thinking straight. I I can just tell you, like even for myself, some days I'll come on the radio show, and I have been up a lot the night before for whatever reason. Um, I'm... (laughs) I really have to go a little bit slower and make sure I don't say or do something dumb. Well, it's the exact same thing out on the farm, and even more so, because I'm probably not going to die sitting here in the radio studio, but out on the farm, I mean, something bad could happen. So just please be careful, and please try to get some sleep. All right. Um, In addition to that, I, I guess I just wanted to say, we are getting late in the season with corn and soybeans, and a lot of people are looking at late applications. I'm just going to encourage you, take it field by field. I'll give you an example on our own farm. We've got some some early maturing soybeans. They're way far along, whereas we have some late maturing soybeans. Um, they are still at a point where we can make a difference. So with those late maturing beans, we haven't hit them with the last shot of fungicide. We're going to do that right now. If we had bugs out there, I'd still spray the late ones. If we had bugs in those real early beans, when you're already at R6, I don't see it. I, I, I mean, maybe if it's something that clips the pods. So we were talking about this just a little bit on the show I believe it was yesterday or maybe the day before. But, I mean, there are certain insects where, yes, they could do damage very late in the year. But the ones that are just feeding on the leaves, then I'm not as worried about those. So still be scouting, still be paying attention based on the field, but it absolutely can make a difference. Where your maturity is at, that's kind of what you have to look at this late in the year. And also, please don't forget about the pre-harvest interval. 
I don't care if we're talking a herbicide, an insecticide, a fungicide. They all have what, what's called pre-harvest interval. So in other words, you have to spray so many days in advance of harvest. Anyway, all things for you to keep in mind here. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! First question comes in from Brandon down in southeast Missouri. He said, I grow alfalfa and I'm three years into this stand. I did a soil test in one acre grids two years before this crop was planted and put on enough PNK for five tons per acre per year over the two years prior to planting. So there is or should be plenty of PNK out there. I will do another grid test this fall to see where levels are currently at and start to make a fertility plan for the next crop. Not that this one's ready to be terminated yet, but I'm getting to the point here of taking these tests and I can't decide whether I should take the S. 3C test recommended for legumes or the S3CM test, which is basically the Malik version of that other test, all done by Midwest Labs. My pH is optimal within the uh, six plus up to around seven. What are the advantages of the Malik test? It's kind of pricey. Uh, your advice Wait. has been great getting this stand perfect. The Malik test is pricey. The Malik test is cheaper. So I don't know. I guess maybe you've got that backwards, but uh, most people pay less for the Malik test than the than the regular S3C. So usually this is what we are saying to people. Okay, the Malik test is a little bit cheaper. The phosphorus number is going to be different, and here's how. The phosphorus test on Malik is going to be more like the P2 or strong bray test. So in other words, that's showing you what's available today and what hopefully is going to come available over the course of the next growing season. Whereas on that S3C, you don't just get that strong bray test, you also get a weak bray test. And if your pH is above 7, they'll give you an Olsen test. Well, the Olsen and the weak bray test, that just shows you what's available today. So you're looking at different things when you look at the Malik phosphorus test, and that's what kind of throws some people off. We like the Malik 3 test better for manganese. We feel that's a much more accurate number. With the regular DTPA tests in the S3C, you're going to see lower numbers on manganese the higher your soil pH is, period. I don't care if you got a million pounds in the soil, you're going to see lower numbers as the pH goes up, you're going to see higher numbers as the pH goes down. That's just the way that thing works. So that's why I don't like it. Uh, beyond that, I, I guess they're both fine tests. Yeah, I mean, they're Midwest com- Labs they're does complete a great tests. job. They're complete yes. tests with all the micros yep. and all that. And either way, if that's what you're saying is pricey, do it running a complete test versus something that's more just NP and K based. Hey, I agree with you, and it's absolutely worth the money. Yep. Hey, great question, and kudos to you for uh, taking care of that alfalfa crop and now working on the next one as well it's farmer friday on today's show we'll be right back after this get more durability for less downtime with soil warrior strip tillage from environmental tillage systems improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage now that's roi learn more about ets at soilwarrior.com Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. 
control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Today's show is all about you and whatever you'd like to talk about here. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you've got an agronomic question, if you want to talk about your crop or what you're working on at home, uh, today's the day to do that. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. And we start off with our friend Tony Wendler down in Iowa with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, uh, our crop is coming along fast here. We're going to be cutting silage maybe while the calendar still says it's August. The, uh, did you guys get any rain in this past week? We did. We caught, uh, I would say, three inches hit a lot of our fields, uh, and we'd only had maybe an inch to an inch and a half total all through the season before that. So that was crazy. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, uh, well, good. That's We had the same event here this past week that uh, two and a half to uh, three and a half. Actually, we got another shower last night, so it's probably three to four inches across the fields. And uh, I told my wife last weekend, this is a moneymaker. Yeah, it's so a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. Hey, Tony, um, one of the one of the things that I've had for a question, and, and we can certainly get to what you want to talk about too, but it's just the unevenness in the fields. Guys saying, man, I'm going to have some dry grain. I'm going to have some wet grain. If I put it in the bin, can I make that work out if I've got bin fan controls? Yes. Okay. Uh, in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of beans, because we can add moisture or remove moisture. Uh, very easy. In the case of corn, now typically I don't think anybody's going to have any uh, – uh, 14% corn in their field, although a few years ago we did see some in western Iowa below that. Uh, the uh, In corn, you could have some stuff that's not mixed evenly. Uh, I'm assuming with most people going in the bin, it might have been, uh, you know, 15 to 18 or 19. Uh, you can set the control to evenly dry that all down to 15. The uh, For a corn bin, natural air drying, the big thing is don't get too tall. Height is not your friend on moisture management. Uh, on uh, soybeans, again, going back to that, you've got uh, 9%, you've got 16%. Been there, done that myself in the same bin. 
and uh, it uh, you set the control plus minus your target, and it will average that bin out over time. And uh, we're not talking a lot of hours in the fan. In fact, when I had that, my fans were running just like a half an hour or so a day for a while, and then we got a day where the humidity hovered right at my target, and basically in about 24, 36 hours, we evened that whole bin out. So when you've got the right humidity, it'll happen fast. Yeah, there's, so, there's a lot of things to, to keep in mind there, but it's not super, super complicated. It, like you say, if you know what the humidity is, if you know what your temperature is at, you can definitely work with your grain and, and get it into good condition. On our sensors, the one thing that keeps it uh, real easy to think through is we use humidity and charts so that uh, you can look at what the bin is and what your readout is on your, your driest um, soybeans and say you want to add moisture. As long as you're using outside air that's wetter than that, it's going to add moisture. So people can, you, you just set it a couple times, you start to connect the dots. Oh, I understand exactly how this works, and it's really simple. And uh, follow right on, you know, just follow the weather station as your bin is graining, gaining moisture. Reset your weather station to stay right behind it. And uh, it works really effectively. So, exactly. You can interact with Tony, I should just mention, at farmshopmfg.com. You get questions all the time, Tony, and I know this season gets pretty hectic on the bin fan control side. Obviously, we saw some differences with what you're doing with um, – the germinator closing wheel and so forth that we've been talking about all through the season. Uh, busy guy, Tony, and you got to get your own crop done. So good luck to you. Really appreciate having you on once again. Appreciate it. Great talking to you. You guys have a great weekend. You bet. You as well. Got Isaiah with us now over in Minnesota. How's it going, Isaiah? It's going good. How are you doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. You know, I, I think it was about this time last year we talked to you a little bit about uh, safety out on the roads, among other things, but I uh, can certainly talk about anything you'd like to talk about today. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> you did kind of hit on safety at the beginning of the program there a little bit, and um, yeah, that's uh, all the more important as we come into the season where we're moving these big equipment down the road and and uh, to make sure that our lights are working properly, uh, even something as simple as a faded uh, uh, slow-moving vehicle sign, they're pretty cheap. Uh, put those on the back of the vehicle and and uh, make sure that we have uh, good visibility around us. Uh, the technology that we have with the cameras, man, they can really uh, be helpful when uh, moving some of these big machines down the road uh, from field to field and even operating within the field. Um, to have safety uh, for the for the farm crew that's working out there, um, you know, the, just anything we can do to increase that visibility because that's when a lot of times the accidents happen is we aren't uh, we don't see somebody or or another vehicle on the highway um, and that can create danger there. So we often remind our non-farm listeners that, hey, many farmers are operating within just a few miles of their home place. They're generally not on the roads for very long. And be aware they could turn in at any time because there might be a field approach. They aren't necessarily heading to the next road. They might be heading to a field approach. But for our farmers, the same kind of reminders go. A lot of times we're only driving a mile or two, and I get it, we're in a big rush. But what are some of the common errors you see farmers making out there that, you know what? if we just uh, slow down for just a minute and realize it's only going to save us a minute or two to cut a corner, it's just not worth it. 
Well, uh, hurrying, being in a hurry, um, and I get it. I farm. I need to harvest uh, in addition to my regular job. Um, and so we're, we we tend to be in a hurry to get from point A to point B and trying to get to the next field, get things done. So being in a rush, just slowing down, um, even something as simple as having a flagger go out uh, when you got to pull out onto the field, um, get the hazard lights on and maybe a uh, reflective vest on just to get traffic slowed down, um, and then waiting until there's a good clearing. Uh, so, you know, I live and farm on a state highway, um, so there can be times where you might sit there for a little while until you have enough room to... Uh, or enough space to get out. You can't just pull out in front of the other vehicles and expect that they're going to uh, see you and get slowed down appropriately. Um, and, you know, that can cause a crash, obviously, if we are um, just because we're in a big tractor and big, or big equipment, um, not likely going to be impacted by that crash. Um, doesn't mean that we can't be you know, that negligence can come back and bite you for sure. So. Absolutely. Well, one thing my dad always taught Brian and me when we were growing up is, hey, if we've done everything right, if we've got our uh, flashers working, we've got our slow-moving vehicle sign on where we need to and all those types of things, we do have a legal right to use the road. What are some of the common sense things here? My dad threw this one out. Tell me if this is right, Isaiah. But he said, man, guys, stay off the shoulder. If you fit in the lane, stay in the lane because you never know when there's going to be a mailbox or something and then you swerve out on the road and that's where he saw more problems happening yeah for sure um having to go around the obstacles that are the end of driveways or whatnot um but yeah if you can fit um obviously you can't cross over the center line if you have to cross over the center line you do have to have a uh a forward escort to um you know to move that vehicle down the highway um but you know the size of my combine it's not even that big um i'm going to take the shoulder and the traffic lane and be on my side of the road um but yes you want to make sure that if you're wider than the lane of traffic if you can't fit down the lane that you've got that forward escort with and it's just a person in a pickup truck with flashing you know hazard lights to make sure that um you know you're warning oncoming traffic of the hazard um you know um turning in and out of uh of driveways you may have to block both uh lanes you know you may like if you have to make a right hand turn uh, you may have to swing out into the other lane to do so just make sure that we have good visibility and that you can see stuff behind you too um you know as as you got to go into that oncoming lane somebody coming up from behind you not paying attention thinks well i'll just go around the slow moving tractor and then we end up with a collision because you had to go into that passing lane to make that right-hand turn. Yeah, harvest season is coming up quick. For some, it's already begun, and we just have to think about these things. Safety is number one. We we don't want to have problems. We don't want to get in trouble out on the highway, especially uh, uh, a lot of bad things can happen out there. We're talking with Isaiah here. works as a state trooper and also as a farmer. Isaiah, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate having you on today. Thanks. Have a safe harvest. You bet. You as well. It's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD radio show, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. 
and soybean aphids rain at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hardworking independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example. Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Montana. i got Scott on with us right now. How's it going, Scott? Uh, we're doing pretty good today. We're combining winter wheat. Excellent, excellent. I was just talking to a, a farmer up in, uh, kind of right on the North Dakota-Minnesota border in the northern Red River Valley and. He was saying they were getting okay yields. Not not the greatest they've ever had, but not too bad. How about out in Montana? Um, pretty good yields. Our winter wheat's a little bit above average. Uh, kind of got hurt by some winter kill and the grasshoppers. Uh, otherwise, I think it'd be a bumper crop, but uh, it's sure above average. It's a pretty good crop. Um, we're happy with it. And you mentioned the grasshoppers, and uh, I was about a half an hour from our farm here earlier in the week. And I, I had to slow down. My windshield was just getting pelted by big adult grasshoppers. And I thought, my goodness. So they, they're definitely out there this year. And I know our farm, we've, we've sprayed for them too. 
what do you normally do in the wheat? Do you, do you see them early and say, okay, they're small, let's get them right now? Or do you just kind of wait and see how the year goes and hope there's enough grass in the ditches that they feed there instead? Well, this is actually our fourth year of them. And so um, they come in early. If you see them early, we, we put uh, demolin down early and try and, and slow them. But uh, they're so bad that they just keep coming back. So then we kind of got to make additional passes with like lambda or something like that. Um, some of this stuff we've probably sprayed three times this year, maybe four, which is crazy. But they're just, they're unindating and they just don't seem to go away. Wow. Yep, yep, that is not a good deal. And I know we've kind of got the same thing with corn rootworm beetles here too. Man, they've just been flourishing with this dry summer that we've had. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, winter kill as well, and guys always ask us about winter wheat that don't raise it. What are some of the challenges there? What do you do to, to try to reduce winter kill? Is it, is it planting date? Is it crop health in the fall? What are some of the important things for you? Well, we try to get it planted pretty early. Uh, last fall we started late because it was so dry and uh, we got about halfway done planting winter wheat and then it started raining and so this stuff we're doing now got planted like the 10th of October so it's pretty late and it didn't get a real good start. Um, our earlier stuff got a nice start and we didn't have the winter kill problems so we do try to get it in you know, fairly early to, to eliminate that because the later you get you can certainly have a stand problem and that's what happened this time. Now, as you're combining that wheat, I guess it brings up another thought, too. What are your targets? What Are you looking for a certain moisture percentage? Uh, is the whole field even? Have you had to do any desiccation or anything like that? What are some of the considerations at harvest? Yeah, we, we actually haven't had to desiccate too much or anything, actually, this year. We just waited. We had other things to combine. So it, was, it didn't bother us too bad. Um, we're... It's dry right now. It's like 13%, 12%. So it's 12%. It's dry. And so it's it's actually working out okay. Yeah, it's it's fun when it, it just works out okay naturally. It doesn't always happen that way. That's why I asked the question. No, it does not. Well, Scott, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And good luck. Stay safe this harvest season. Hey, thank you. Good talking to you guys. Good luck to you as well. You bet. Let's head down to Kentucky. Got Eddie on with us right now. How's it going, Eddie? Hey, it's going good. How are you? Good. Good. What are you guys working on on your farm? Well, we're just kind of sitting back and waiting for the corn to mature where we can start shelling. I've got a good crop this year, and I'm anxious to get started. Awesome. Yeah, that's fun when you know that you've got something decent out there. Uh, how far away are you? Are you just a couple weeks away, or are you closer than that? No, it's probably going to be a little later than that. I'm just getting, my wife said, I'm just getting antsy to get started. <laughs> I, that's, uh, that's kind of the way it is every year with me. I don't have a whole lot of acres, but still I've got several. And, you know, the quicker you get started, the quicker you get done, and you can go on to something else. But I just enjoy sitting in the combine and watching the grain go in the tank. Uh, if we could just do that like every week of the year, I think that would be amazing. But maybe you need a break in there some point, but uh, there isn't much more fun than that. Yeah, well, we've been we've got some Sudan that's going to be ready to harvest in a couple of weeks, so that'll keep me busy uh, with the haying. Sure, sure. What what kind of crop is there? Does that look pretty good too? Oh yeah, yeah. We've been fortunate. We've been on that southeast side of that ring of fire, and when those systems come over, they come right down, come through Kentucky, Tennessee, right through that 
that area here and we've just been blessed with rain all year long it's rained already once this week it's going to rain again tomorrow night and the given rain we got about a three or four day window and i'll cut a little hay and put it up and get that out of the way and then i'll wait for the next break and we've just been kind of doing that all summer yeah yeah i was gonna say if you cut some hay then it'll rain for sure so you gotta hustle and get that up uh okay talk to us about that corn crop again uh when you say it's going to be a good crop, what if you had to put a number on it, what would you guess you're going to yield? Is it going to be above average? Is it going to be 200 bushel corn? Is it going to be way better than that? Well, I do conventional corn, and I can't – I'll have 200 bushels in spots, but it won't average 200. Sure. But this year, this year, my goal every year is to beat the national average. Yep. And so I've, I've done the around and long times 90, whatever, divided by whatever, and I've come up with about 185. Excellent. So, you know, that's that's kind of where, and that's better than, I think last year I was at 165. So I don't think I'll beat the the, the average, but uh, I think I'm going to be above average this year. And the beans are looking really good, too. Of course, I'm one of those guys that took bean acres out and put hay ground in because the cattle's high. So I'm, I'm kind of down on my bean acres a little bit this year, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of nice when you have the option to to raise something else if you think it could be a little more profitable for you. So uh, that's pretty cool. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Eddie, to to make you not so excited about harvest because I am too. <laughs> I have the same yeah. disease. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I feel for my brothers out in the countryside that hadn't got the rain. I, I've been through that in 2012, and it ain't no fun. And I really feel for them. But we've been blessed this year. I've been looking. I travel quite a bit with my work, and I've been looking, and it seems like we got a good crop, pretty uniform all the way across my section of the state. So, um, I just like I said, I'm looking forward to putting the the corn head in and see what see what turns up. Yep, yep. Well, that sounds great, Eddie. Well, I'm glad you got a good crop coming. Good luck to you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes smooth. And thanks for talking to us today. Same to you, Darren. Y'all have a safe and uh, prosperous harvest. You bet. Thank you. We appreciate that. I got Randall with us down in Nebraska with a question. How you doing, Randall? I'm just great, and thanks for taking my call. What can we do for you? I have a field of popcorn that is starting to fire from the bottom. My agronomist, without tissue sampling, says it's probably out of nitrogen. Can I still add nitrogen at this point, either through the pivot and or with a foliar feed? Okay. Uh, well, if if it is, in fact, nitrogen, I love having the option of running it through the pivot. Uh, talk to me about those leaves that are that are turning brown. Is, is, it, is it turning from the outside edge of the leaf and working its way in, or is it starting at the tip and working its way down no, the center? From the outside outside in okay uh if if it's if it's around the whole outside edge of the leaf then that would be potassium deficiency it looks real similar to nitrogen deficiency if it's nitrogen it'll start at the tip of the leaf and it'll run right up that center midrib on the leaf uh in kind of a v-shaped pattern and and you might see a little bit of both out there. It could be a little bit of one or a little bit of the other. Mm-hmm. If it's potassium, we can foliar feed with that. We're much more successful uh, with nitrogen, getting that into the plant quickly than we are with K, but, but it could be done. Um, I guess it's up to you if you want to give that a shot. Uh, where are you at with the crop? How, how far has it got to go? Um, it's probably in, like, soft dough to medium medium dough okay 
So yeah. we're talking the R3, R4 stage. That's that's right about at the end uh, where where a guy could still do something. If you've got the ability to fertigate, uh, you could certainly use a, a potassium product like Sure-K or something like that and put a few gallons out and see if it makes a difference. Um, you know, what about foliar feeding? Uh, you could do that as well. If, if that works for you, if you've got a ground rig, I, I just like going through the pivot because you don't have to drive over anything. That's that's the big deal. We would be using an airplane. Oh, okay. Yep. If you've got an airplane that will do the foliar feed, you can do it that way. Or if you want to run a little more water over it, you can do it that way too. Stay tuned. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In his last will and testament, Robert has bequeathed to his only heir and devoted caretaker one-third of his house, a third of his truck, and a third of his beloved dog, Mr. Bo here. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm a little confused. Don't settle for a fraction of what you deserve, especially at harvest. Yield your best with Veltima fungicide's proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility. One-third of a dog. Right. Get everything you deserve with Veltima fungicide. From BASF, always read and follow label directions. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show today at 
44 Ag PhD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. Got one here from Sandy Bryant. If you want to dive into the mailbag, we have already been in the mailbag. Uh, Sandy says, I've got Roundup Ready grain. Can glyphosate still work as a desiccant just by spraying it at the wrong stage or by spraying it at a strong rate? No. If you're just trying to kill weeds and you just need a pre-harvest burndown of the weeds, yes. But to desiccate the crop, no. No. That was a pretty simple one. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. All right, so here's one a little more for you. This one comes from Lane down in Nebraska. And Lane said, "Uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, I got three samples here. These are from 65 acres where I live uh, here in Nebraska. We've got primarily warm season grasses, big and little blue stem, Indian grass, side oats, grandma. And my son-in-law is bailing it for his cattle. Uh, Now, the field called Nate 1 has been native grass for over 70 years. That's kind of cool. I'm interested in looking at those samples. Then... uh, the West and CRP, that's been grass since the original CRP program back in the late 80s. Since the nutrient levels are so low and broadcasting nutrients other than the solubles would just stay on top, what would you recommend? Also, a side point, I've considered trying Rise Up Smart Grass, gibberellic acid, uh, and wondering, is this effective on native grass or is yes. it effective on all grass? All grass. That's no problem. It's just keep in mind, Rise Up's only going to help you. It's it's gibberellic acid, same thing as the plant produces itself. It's only going to help you when the weather's cold. So like early in the spring, late in the fall, when the plant isn't naturally producing enough gibberellic acid to grow at the same pace it would in the middle of the summer, simply because it's cold. So the colder it is, the less gibberellic acid is produced. That's why you supplement it with Rise Up. Anyway, in, in terms of the nutrient levels... Here are the things that are low. Potassium is 25 to 3.2%. Phosphorus is two parts per million. Zinc is a half a part per million. And copper is one part per million. So the copper is not horrible. Um, you know, the rest of the things are, they'll move in the soil fairly well, like sulfur, boron, nitrogen, stuff like that. Okay, so we were having this discussion just the other day with Bill Brush. He's a consultant out in California. And I said, Bill, how do you do this with trees? And you're fertilizing for trees because obviously you're not going to be doing tillage out there. It's not an annual crop. Those trees are going to be there for decades. So how do you get fertilizer down in the ground to their roots? And he goes, well, when you get the parts per million over about 250 on phosphorus, then it does start to move down some. He also made the comment that you can use some chelated nutrients and then they will move down a little bit. But he said the best way is just raise your parts per million, or he he termed it in pounds per acre. He said, once you get over 500 pounds, and we find it starts to go down. So this does kind of answer why certain areas, they'll say, well, we think phosphorus is leachable. Look, it's it's only leachable when you go way excessive on amount. Because I just want you to think about for the average farm out there, I don't care if you're raising corn, soybeans, wheat, or just about any crop. If I told you your goal should be 250 parts per million of phosphorus, you'd probably lose your mind, right? Like, oh my gosh, I don't need near that much. No, you don't. But placement is a really big deal. If you put a little bit of phosphorus on the soil surface, I agree 100% with Lane that it's not going anywhere. It's stuck in that top 
quarter inch, half inch, whatever. It's not going to be down to the roots of that grass. And I mean, sure, a decade from now it might, but I'd kind of like to get value out of it now. So anyway, here's here's what I would do, Lane. If this was my ground that I owned, okay, and I'm thinking about it a lot different if I own it versus if I rent it. But if I own it, I would I would just try bumping my rates up and you don't have to get like super carried away, but you got to get those rates up. And then hopefully some of that phosphorus will get down in the soil. Maybe there's some cracks in the soil. Maybe there's something, anything. Um, but you got to get that phosphorus level up. And then the potassium is, it'll move a little bit. Zinc and copper move about like phosphorus. They're, they don't move very well. But here again, if you just put on a good dose in one shot, you're hoping that it's not going to get tied up or at least part of it, and a little bit's going to get down into that soil, into that root zone. But you got to have the understanding that, hey, this is going to be on the soil. It's going to be, there's still going to be a percentage that is at or near the soil surface for a really, really, really long time. So if you were going to turn it into corn ground or bean ground or wheat or whatever, ideally doing one passive tillage would be nice. I'm not saying it has to be a complete moldboard plow and turning everything over, although that would be good. Uh, but one pass of tillage would probably be good to get some of the fertilizer down in the ground. Now, here's one other thing that I want you to think about. You could go out there with coulters. You could go out there with a strip-till machine. And I know you're probably going to go, this is grass. Why would I strip-till? I'll bet you'd barely see that, the, that those tracks um, after a while. So, I mean, a coulter would obviously be much better because then you, you know you're not going to have to worry much about ridges or anything else. All I'm saying is if there is some way to inject the fertilizer, that would be better. All right. Thanks for the question. Um, get a comment here about yellow wood sorrel. We were talking about that as a weed of the week and CP uh, was comment. Somebody had commented on it, talking about it potentially being harmful uh, yeah we talked we just talked about this the other day remember that was the one where i said uh he he said bad information is that the nope different one he got one. Different. Uh, another one. Oh, nope. oh okay nope this one commented on that oh, and said okay. go ahead uh the toxicity of the calcium oxalate you'd have to eat enormous amounts of wood sorrel for that to cause any real harm in fact the calcium oxalate is actually found in many foodstuffs uh, wood sorrels have been used and are still used by many native people of North America's medicinal plants. And while they are short-lived perennials, they don't have an extensive rhizome network. Hey, thanks, CP. Uh, appreciate the, the comment there and clarification. Um, get this one in from a gardener out in Southern California. This comes from DP, who said, I was looking at your website, found some, some information here on mare's tail, and watched... A video that you did. I'm a beginning gardener. Need some advice on how to handle horseweed on my untilled backyard. I did sprinkle a pre-emerge product that contains the active ingredients trifluralin and isoxabin. The brand name was Snapshot. Yeah, yeah that And I did it. get a few good spells of rain during the year, but the horseweed has grown up. Yes. Anyway. Yes. So I'm just curious, uh, does it just not last long enough? Are there other things I could do? And then what, in layman's terms, should I be doing to get rid of the weed before tilling next spring? Freelux. 
So 2,4-D, that's the 2,4-D the choline version that doesn't drift all over the place, volatilize all over the place. Just use Freelix. Problem solved, done. Now, yeah, I, if you've got a garden that make, has perennial plants, though, Brian, you can't spray Freelix over not, the top of desirable plants. It's safe well, I thought we were grass. talking, yeah, but I well, thought... Well, you said I'm you a said beginning, multiple things. I'm a beginning you said in the gardener. Yard, yes. And that, but, okay, so let, here, let me, let, me, let me speak a little more on this. All right, so if we're talking in the yard, just in use Freelix. In, the, in grass, the grass. In the grass, use Freelix. If we are talking about your garden is done for the year and you just need to till it up again next year and plant a garden again next year, you can use Freelix. Okay, but, but no you're problem. need some time between when you spray the Freelex I'm and saying when you spraying plant. this fall, you're tilling next spring and planting next spring. No problem. Okay, if you have a garden, if we're talking about this in the garden, um, I don't know what else you have out there, and it's going to be hard to find anything that's going to be very effective on it that's not going to kill something that's in your garden. So, if let's say it was just sweet corn. You know, now maybe we got a shot because you could use a low rate of um, dicamba or uh, let's say it's an HPPD or something like that. But I'm assuming you have more than just sweet corn. So in your garden, you're probably going to have to use a hoe or pull it. I don't know how. I mean, without knowing what crops you have and what else is going on, it's hard to say. All right. Thanks for the question, DP. We appreciate that. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we'll be right back after this. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stalk roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stalk breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions by email, radio at agphd.com, or by phone, 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, got a few questions here, Brian, to, to get through yet. And another one was kind of a garden question. Uh, this one comes in from Mike. He said, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. I get plenty of rain. My garden is not in the most moist area, and it does have full sun, but I'm really struggling with purslane. It's just everywhere. I hit it with vinegar and salt soap, and I'm curious if you think that will work. And my other thought was I could cover the garden with black plastic until next spring. If I do that, will that kill the weed, or what else would you do? Well, if you can cover it, sure. I mean, that would absolutely kill the weed. No herbicide needed, no tillage needed. If the purslane does not get sun, it's dead. Yeah, I had a neighbor that that uh, that's what she would do is just cover stuff up with black tarp as soon as she was done with whatever crop she had, just put the tarp over it till next year yep. and and let it roll. So that that's what she was doing, and and yep. I know some people would say, oh no no, you need to need something living out there, and you certainly could if you wanted plant grass or something in there, but. Um, yeah, I think I just put the tarp over it and cover it and be done. Uh, the other thing I was going to say with the vinegar too, I just get nervous with some of the kind of home remedy solutions because vinegar, for example, has got a pH of somewhere between two and three, depending on the product. And that's pretty acidic. And depending on how much you're putting out there, that could make some major changes for the microbes in the soil right in that small area. So I do get a little bit nervous about that, but I guess we'll find out if, uh, if that works since he already went ahead and did that. Uh, if it does, great. Let us know. And if not, I would try the black plastic too. All right, get this one from, from uh, Lawrence down in Kansas. And he said, hey, guys, enjoyed shaking hands with you guys. It's your field day. It was a great day uh, at the Ag PhD field day. And he said, I, I've been listening to you guys talking about planting corn when the soil temperature is 40 degrees. I've also been listening about your micronutrient. Uh, use. So I'm looking at the product Micro 1000 from AgroLiquid, 10 different things in there. And then I'm also looking at your seed treatments you guys talk about and so forth so I can plant when my soil is 40 degrees. Now I was just looking at the Kansas Mesonet data of two and four inch soil depths, and it looks like many years, 40 degree soils start around March 1st. And that early, it's pretty hard to predict if you're going to have freezes or not. Uh, 
but I, I just want to be successful if I put out uh, the seed treatments you guys are using. I'm curious, will they work if you're also putting on micronutrients like Micro 1000, or will that harm the Excellent bugs? question. So most of these biological companies are now testing with many of the common additives, micronutrients, you know, any a lot of different blends. Let's put it that way. Herbicides, you name it. So they, they find out, okay, does it kill it? Does it not? Because when you start talking microbes, they're alive. We have to make sure they stay alive. Otherwise, you wasted your money. So first thing I'll tell you is with we we've we know there's been a lot of testing with the agri-liquid stuff and a lot of different biologicals in the market, and it, it's looked good. So I don't think you're going to have really hardly any problem unless there's some product I don't know about. The next thing that I wanted to say is in your area, that early plant date is like for corn, um, I believe around the 5th of April, something like that. I mean, it, it varies depending on where you're at exactly in Kansas. It varies all the way from March 20th to April 5th as the, or all the way even to April 10th if you're way out in the Northwest. Um, in terms of the first planting date for crop insurance, our recommendation is always do not plant before the first crop insurance date because, like we always say, hey, we think we're pretty smart as farmers and as agronomists, but you know what? When the insurance company has all the data on everybody planting, they see when the failures come. And so they'll tell you, hey, this is the early plant date. Now, I will say there are buy-downs, or uh, let me see uh, how I could phrase this. There's a, an extra premium you pay if you want to plant a little earlier than the first crop insurance date. And if that's very small, I'm I'm on board with that. That's fine. But yeah, we want at least 40 degree soil temps when we start planting corn. And what we're looking for is we need a really high germination score on that corn for cold, not just for warm. And since the seed company probably isn't going to tell you what their cold germ is, you're going to have to get the seed and test it and find out, does this have a good cold germination score? The next thing is you want to plant a, a variety like like we are that has good early tolerance, good uh, vigor in cold soils. But then the other side of it is, yes, seed treatments. And we are using some things that, that have been working pretty well. Go okay, ahead. a couple other things then that Lawrence has here. He said, I'm planting... Oh, can I, can I be specific on those couple of things? Uh, yes. Okay, so uh, NutraShield would be the combination products, combination of NutraCycle and Heat Shield, and those are the two main things that have been giving us better early emergence. Now, I'm not saying that's it, and I'm not saying we don't want to have a good fungicide package and all that, but those are big keys. And those are the best biologicals we found. Okay. Well, it sounds like he's got that part covered, but a couple other things here they have for questions. He says, I'm planting jerry oats and radishes in a couple of weeks for a cover crop, and okay. I know that that cover will slow warming of the soil. So I might flame off planting strips and play some other games to get the soil warm. Uh, I know we do some strip till, and that that really helps to, to clear some of that away. The Definitely. other thing with the oats, Brian, if if they do get winter killed off, I don't know about the radishes. If it'll get cold enough there, yeah, and to that's do that. that's the thing. Some of those radishes may still live to to spring, but yeah, the oats will. I mean, that's going to die off with winter, so or it should, and even in your area. Yeah. So. Would you burn that down? Like he talks about flaming, but would you? 
use a burn down herbicide in the sure. spring to yeah. try and knock those out? That would be well, another option. Well, I mean, for me, I do it in the fall and then have it over with. And then I've got all those carcasses there all winter long catching snow and stuff. So if it was me, probably in November for him, I would go out there with some Roundup and spray it. But I, I mean, the other way to handle this is spray some of it, leave the rest, and then let's see side by side, are we seeing any difference? So then we know in the future, was it worth it to go out and spray or not? I don't know that it's going to be worth it personally. All right. And then uh, last couple things he said, I am, I am 84 years old <laughs> and I'm planting my first and possibly my last corn crop uh, this year. I've, I've got uh, not that many acres, but he said, I've put a bunch of fertilizer, thousands of dollars of fertilizer on, on this ground the last couple of years with the goal of getting up to Brian's optimum numbers he talks about for heavy soils. Uh, so we'll see how that does this year. Hey, Lawrence, thanks for the for the comments and the questions and the support, and it was nice seeing you at the field day, too. Yeah, and I mean, I just want you to think about that a little bit. 84 years old, that's an inspiration that somebody is that excited about the soil yet and willing to invest in the soil. So I just want, for everybody listening, I just want you to think about your farm. Many people talk about leaving their ground in better condition for the next generation, and it sure sounds like Lawrence is serious about that to try to get things better. So in in the short term, sometimes we as farmers look at fertilizer as expense, but instead we need to look at it as investment. It's making the soil better, making the soil richer. In a lot of in a lot of cases then what happens is you have more yield, which means more root growth, which means more microbial life, and then Everything just gets better and better. So you build soil organic matter, more microbial life, more more benefit long-term for that soil. And the soil structure improves. And all these things happen because you invested that money in the one year. And then, sure, I mean, you're going to take some of that fertilizer out over many, many years. The phosphorus, the potassium. Just think about, you probably still have ground you farm where grandpa spread manure and you can see, oh yeah, that's really good ground. Why? Because he or she invested money a couple generations ago. So that's the kind of stuff that we, we try talking about all the time is trying to make things better for the long term and for all of us here in rural America. Thanks for that feedback. Uh, really appreciate that, Lawrence. Yeah, you're right. It's it's super exciting, and the the differences that we can make on our farm if we're willing to change, if we're willing to try to grow and try to find even better ways of doing things, uh, it, it can make a big difference for a long, long time. Uh, we'll talk more about that coming up next week. We're excited about next week's programs as well. So thanks for listening to to today's program. Be sure to join us next week, each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now, stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.